Welcome all into a very, very special episode number 26 of the people of Inferu. We finally done it. We've got Post Jack here with me today. The Jack Johnson. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm just a little tired today. You know, classic Saturdays. You know, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. What did you do this morning? Really nothing. I woke up. Well, I guess I couldn't say nothing. I woke up, had some coffee, went to the post office, did some grocery shopping, and then watched a couple episodes. What did you go to the post office for? Uh, I sold a football card, so I had to ship it. Okay, right on. Right on. Do you sell a lot of stuff on the internet? Sometimes. I mean, if I find things, it's easy to sell it on the internet. Like, uh, Tranter and I have been selling used clothes on Depop. Oh, right on. Yeah, and then I, uh, my dad had a huge collection of football cards from when we collected together, like as a kid, and I went through and found some that, you know, I wanted to keep and some that I wanted to sell, so one of them sold, so I was like, all right, sure. I gotta go with that. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah, no, I, um, man, I went through a period when I was, uh, and maybe we're, we're jumping forward to the hobbies question now, but I was like, I, I describe myself as a recovering audiophile, you know, like I used to be like really into like hi-fi and kind of my, um, and I still love it. I still love good sound. But part of my kind of inroad into that was was headphones. Um, and this was like 2005. I like just gotten sober. I was living with my folks and I was I got really into World of Warcraft for like a year. I was like really into fucking World of Warcraft, you know, and and I needed I wanted a pair of headphones basically for like the vent server. You know what I mean? Like I was in a guild and like doing the whole thing. And I started, you know, and so you do what you do, which is go on the Internet and you're like, what are the best? What's the best fucking headphones? You know what I mean? I want the best headphone for the price. And, um, it, you know, ended up at HeadFi. And all I wanted was like headphones with the mic. And they were like, you know, nah, you need like the the Sennheiser HD 650. Like if you want really good sound quality, because I also wanted something nice for music, too, because like I love music. So if I could get you know, a nice little vent headphone that's also good for music. And they're like, you can't do that. You know, I mean, you need like an amp, you need a DAC, you need like hundreds of dollars worth of equipment if you want to, if you're, you know, you're a piece of shit, you know, if you don't have like the best like sound quality. And, um, and anyway, that I did end up, I got my little rinky dink headphone just for, just for a while. But, you know, I mean, but then that kind of took me down the path of um, like high end headphone audio and, you know, kind of opened up a whole, you know, weird world of like going to headphone conventions and like, you know, I mean, be becoming friends with like all these different, like, P it, very similar to InfoRu actually. Like, I mean, like it's, it's a dedicated community, you know, and we can, we can get into the whole like story and, and, and headphone hobby drama, you know, if you want at some point, but um, I don't even remember how I started talking about that. What if, what if, uh, I was talking about I sold a football card and had to go. Selling, to thank you. Okay. All right. So I was like buying and selling headphones for like years, you know, like a wow. lot. And, um, and eventually, because it was just, there's such a vibrant aftermarket community and you can buy like a really nice expensive pair of headphones and try it out, you know, I mean, to have that experience and then sell it for exactly what you paid for it. You know, I mean, because there's just, there's just so much kind of back and forth. And um, eventually I just got, I had one bad transaction with a guy who just sucked, you know, <laughs> and, and like try like I sent him the money and then he like immediately was like, I don't have that headphone, but I can sell you this like crappier headphone instead. And I was like, nah, just give me my money back. He's like, I can't already spend it because my account was overdrawn. And so like, and I was like, so he just, he just fucking hustled me. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just scammed me, you know? Yeah. And so then I had to go like post a review 
about what a shitty person he was and it like blew up this whole thing and then he's like writing me messages like please I'll, I'll make it right please take down the review and he eventually paid me back but i never took down the review i mean fuck him you know what i mean like i posted on there like he did pay me back eventually but like i mean yeah. dude's a scumbag you know i mean so anyway so that 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 put a big damper in my kind of buying and selling not that i want to discourage you from selling your 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 football cards you know but just having that one bad experience is like man i just it's such a hassle you know it's like 300 bucks you know what i mean like it's a lot of money you know and it was just gone so yeah anyway. no, i know what you mean uh i had bought for valentine's day uh like a like a headband like a valentine's day headband for my girlfriend on ebay like i had little hearts on it or whatever yeah. and the package shows up you know i get the ebay notification is delivered i open the package and it's just a pair of bluetooth headphones <laughs> like like the type you get at the airport like altec yeah. or whatever like, yeah. like mid-range or <laughs> like just right, yeah it costs like 19 cents to manufacture probably uh, yeah, like, yeah i was like what <laughs> Like it was like a red headband with hearts on it, and they sent me a Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. But yeah, you know something. Some things happen on the internet. It's weird. Yeah, uh, I do want to talk about it. I'm very curious. I guess we'll just go ahead and talk about it. We'll get to other stuff later. Headphone conventions. Yes. Yes. So, well, for I'll, I'll kind of break down. There. Are, are you familiar with HeadFi? Is that HeadFi.org? Does that mean anything to you? So it's a massive headphone form, okay, and um, um, and I actually was, so this is kind of the drama piece of it, and this was how I kind of learned about hobby drama in the first place, was, um, you know, HeadFi is a big, it's, it's really, a, it's a big form, and it turned into like a business, you know what I mean, like they're selling advertising, and there became a lot of suspicion that there were people shilling products you know what i mean they get free products from like some headphone amp manufacturer and so they go on and talk about how amazing this headphone amp is you know but there was you know really smart people there's one particular manufacturer called ray samuels and you know there was a lot of suspicion that there's a lot of shilling going on there's a lot of suspicion that the head file like moderators were shilling for him you know because there was this other guy named kevin gilmore who was kind of like a headphone amp like genius like he taught at MIT and was like really really into headphone amps and like was the guy who kind of he's a big weirdo you know I mean but like really really smart and dude he fucking hated Ray Samuels man I mean fucking hated this guy hated his designs you know that his designs were garbage you know and then like I think Kevin got banned because he was always saw people kept getting banned for talking shit about Ray Samuels audio basically you know and so all the people that got banned started this new forum called head case okay much smaller community and like I ended up talking on the phone with some guy when I was looking to buy one of his amps and he was like nah man you gotta he's like Ray Samuels sucks you gotta buy single power amps this guy named Mikhail does these single power amps they're awesome they're the best you know um so I became a head case guy and I was like fuck head five fuck Ray Samuels you know I mean all this all this you know they, they suck and like Headcase is a really small dedicated community smaller than InfoRu, but it was what kind of taught me about like you know, the, the joy you can kind of get from being a part of an online community, you know, because we talk about headphones and we talk about this, that, and the other, um, you know, but also talk about music. And I learned a lot about music and a lot about this and, you know, I mean, kind of got to know these people kind of on the internet and, um, but the convention. So it's funny, the early Headfire conventions were called Headfest, which was really kind of 
kind of an unfortunate name, you know, to call like a big convention you're having, you know, like Headfest, you know, I mean, it's like, it, you know, sounds like a sex thing, <laughs> yeah. basically. You know? Freezing I mean, like, thread. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But they, they had one in New York and then they had one in South Florida and I went to the one in South Florida and that was my first time meeting a lot of these, these guys. And uh, it's really cool, man. Like all the different headphone, man, it's a trade show, you know, I mean, all the different headphone manufacturers show up and, um, uh, they have tables and they have all their different products, you know, and so you can go and listen to like all these kind of like crazy headphones, you know, and I mean, really like headphones that cost, you know, I mean, the most insane headphone would be like a, like a Sennheiser electrostatic that's like ten twenty thousand $20,000 or something like that. Like abs absurd, you know, I mean, so you can go down there and listen to that and that's, and then where else are you going to, you're not going to buy that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like nobody, nobody's going to buy it so you can go listen to it. <laughs> um, but it, then, you know, headphones kind of all over the different spectrum, but there's also a, 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 a great, you know, social, you know, social aspect to it too, because you meet all these people you've been interacting with online. So I went to the one in South Florida and then they rebranded it Can Jam. Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, they, re they rebranded it Can Jam and I went to the Can Jam in LA. Um, and I think that was the, I think I want to say I went, no, I went to Chicago too. So I went to Can Jam Chicago and Can Jam LA. And it was just fun, man. It's fun yeah. listening to headphones. It's fun hanging out with all these people that you knew on the internet, you know. Um, uh, but then that was, I kind of, actually what what kind of made me drift away from kind of the headphone hobby was um, uh, was when I started getting back into live music, like after I got sober, you know. I mean, and that kind of feeds nicely into um the, you know, how I found InfoRoom, you know, and InfoRoom kind of became, you know, my new online community and, and Headcase kind of dwindled. There was a big, like Single Power was like the, the manufacturer that all the Headcase guys liked. And then it turned out the Single Power guy, Mikhail, started scamming people and started like, he, he had these big, beautiful, like amp boxes and somebody opened one of theirs up and it was literally just like a power brick and like a really basic like amp design like he totally screwed them he took like a wall wart and like put it in this massive thing and sold it for like thousands of dollars and he had all this he had all these pre-orders and he just disappeared dude like i mean just dropped off the face of the earth you know and like we still don't i mean i haven't checked in in a long time but i mean he basically made off with probably like tens of thousands of dollars from people wow. you know what i mean so that kind of sucked the wind out of the hole you know like head case versus head five thing because we all were losers you know what i mean at that point like ray samuels has shitty designs mikhail ripped a bunch of people off you know um but but anyway i, I met a lot of really cool interesting people and you know it's uh it's it's fun man it was fun but i just feel like any any hobby has that weird kind of there's so many weird little subcultures all over the place you know and i think it's you know there's there's so many i don't know a lot of them i'm sure are super duper interesting i'm sure there's all kinds of stories that we don't know about within all kinds of interesting little hobby subcultures you know yeah it sounds like we need a people of head case uh yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah Get to the, there needs to be there should pro there's probably an interesting oral history there you know what i mean like right. with, like talking to the mods at head by and like and man, I have a lot of I have a lot of sympathy for for moderators or like subreddit moderators because they catch so much hell, man. You know, and 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 my and you know, I mean, my my time on, I mean, I, I dialed into BBSs when I was in grade school. You know, I don't you, does that does a bulletin board system does that mean anything to you? So pre in a pre World Wide Web, you would literally you had your modem 
and you would dial into somebody's computer, you know, that they had set up. And it was like a text only like message board, you know, and you could go on there and they were local because you couldn't make, you know, I was in grade school. I couldn't make a long distance call to some BBS in California, you know, I mean, but so I dialed into like local BBSs in grade school. And again, talk about music, talk about movies, talk about whatever, you know, it was like mostly music and, you know, found out about local shows that way. And like, you know, I mean, inter, you know, interesting bands and stuff. So, I mean, I've been, but any backing that up to uh, to my thing with moderators, like I understand that, I mean, forums in particular, forums like Info require like draconian moderation. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you gotta, you cannot put up with people's bullshit, man, because you will, it will destroy a community. You know, I mean, one person going in there and, you know, I mean, trying to skirt the rules and trying to like be cute and all this kind of shit, you know, I mean, we'll throw everything off track and not like in a fun headliner thread way, you know what I mean? Like right. that's like that, you know, I mean, not like in a silly kind of fun way, but uh, just causing drama and bullshit, you know what I mean? So anyway, I have a lot of sympathy for, for, you know, Druid and, you know, and the gang, you know, I mean, trying to keep all us, you know, misfits in line, so. Yeah, I would love if moderators are listening to this, I know Blue will listen, uh, but the others as well. I would love to do a conference call with all moderators at once and get all the tea spilled. I doubt it would happen, really? but I just want to yeah, hear yeah. all of it. That would be awesome. I would listen to that episode in a second for sure. <laughs> I'd listen to it like eight times. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure you catch all the deets, you know. <laughs> spill that, spill that fucking tea. Hell yeah. Uh, before we finally segue into Inferu, I have to ask. I think we all know the difference between a bad headset and a good headset, but what makes a headset $10,000? A really nice box that has like automation, you know what I mean? Like, okay. like, like um, I'd have to, maybe I could find it and send you the link, but I, I want to say this, like, like this box, like with like with remote control open. And anyway, uh, I'm thinking about that one particular headphone, but what, um, it's really nice materials, you know what I mean? And then, and hype, that's all, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the same reason that like a, you know, a, a certain, you know, like off-white Jordan sells for a thousand dollars on the aftermarket, you know, I mean, just hype, you know, rarity, you know, um, but, uh, but there are certainly, you know, I mean, when you're talking, I mean, I, th there's a point of diminishing returns for sure. And I'm not up on the, what's the current shit right now, you know I mean? But there was like a, like Grado, you're familiar with Grado headphones? Mm. Okay, all right. So they're 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 manufactured in Brooklyn, and they're generally not very. You know, they're interesting. They're not necessarily super accurate or super neutral, but I mean, there's nothing sounds quite like a Grado. And uh, Joseph Grado started the company, and um, he had this one. Gosh, what was it called? The HP One Thousand, I think. And this headphone went for two grand on the aftermarket when I was into it. And nothing sounded like this headphone, man. I mean, it was like, it was like the, the mid-range was like drugs, dude. You know, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible, you know. I mean, so it's all in the in the driver and the housing, you know. I mean, and some headphones are just inflated because they use advertising to kind of hype it up and maybe they're not really that good, you know what I mean? But there are out there some really special headphones that just make you hear things in the music that you just don't ever hear, you know. Um, but you know, in that hobby, there is also a lot of emphasis put on your DAC, which is your digital to analog converter and your headphone amplifier. And after years and years of like experimenting with different DACs and different headphone amplifiers, I kind of realized that like most of that is bullshit. 
You know what I mean? Like, it, like we have solved, we've perfected digital audio. It's perfect. You know what I mean? Like a 16 bit, 44.1 kilohertz, whatever it is, a CD basically is perfect. You know what I mean? It's literally, it's more than perfect. It's a C, the, the frequency and bit rate of a CD is twice as good as the best human hearing in the world. You know what I mean? So, I mean, anything even beyond that, like, I mean, you see people like Neil Young was pushing his like 24, 192 Pono thing several years ago, you know, and like high res and all that. Like, I think high res is kind of horseshit, you know? I mean, in fact, I think the majority of people, Spotify streaming is the best. And that's just like MP3 level, you know? I mean, I think that's probably, I, I have difficulty telling the difference between a CD and Spotify streaming, you know? Um, uh, so that was kind of part of my falling out with the whole thing was, you know, just a lot of it is snake oil. And that's why I say I'm like a recovering audiophile, you know, but a transducer, the most important things when it comes to speakers are the, the speaker itself, the transducer, you know, and the room you know, the room you're playing it in. I mean, those, those are the two. And the interesting thing about headphones is it takes the room out of the equation. So all that really matters is the headphones. So as long as you're feeding it enough power, which honestly most, I know like phones, most phones don't have headphone jacks anymore, but like most phones feed enough power, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, give power enough, except for some extreme examples, you know, um, it's going to sound great, you know? Um, so, yeah. Cool. Thank you. So listeners, if you need a good pair of headsets, uh, you now have uh, some information. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about Infru now. Okay. You brought it up. You so Infru was not your first forum. You came here from Headcase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 2011. 2011. That's right. Yeah. And what started? So I there was also a um, a fish board I was on. Because fish, you know, fish had broken up and fish came back in, um, and I won't, I won't, I'll try not to, to do a tangent too hard into fish right now. I know we're trying to talk about it, I'm sure we'll talk about fish eventually, but, you know, fish came back in 2009 and, uh, you know, I needed to talk to people about that shit, you know, I mean, so I, I joined, um, you know, fantasy tour is, is horrible. Um, it's the worst place on the internet. I love it. It's very entertaining, but like, that was not the board. I was like, I can't be a part of this, you know horrible place um but i still like reading it and it's funny you know um but hey there's another there's all these other little fish message boards and i joined this other one and uh there was a guy there that was really into bonnaroo you know i mean so we talk about fish and talk about other things and um and i um was really down on bonnaroo at the time i attended bonnaroo in 2003 and 2004 and um and you know like i said i got and i got sober in 2005 and i started seeing live music again a couple years after that so like 2007, my first sober show was Bright Eyes, actually, at Republic in New Orleans. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I, gotta, I love this. I can do this again. Um, but, uh, but, but I never thought I could go back to Bonham. You know, I mean, I was kind of early recovery. I didn't really understand, you know, I mean, like I can do live shows, but like Bonnaroo is, there's too much partying. It's too long. You know, it's too, like, I don't, I didn't think I'd be able to handle that, you know, I mean, with, with my sobriety which I was wrong about, you know, but that was just where I was at at the time. And uh, somebody on that fish message board went to Bonnaroo every year and loved it. And I was talking shit about Bonnaroo and he kind of called me out on it. He was like, you don't, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you know? And that kind of put the idea of like, maybe I should 
be able to go back to Bonnaroo at some point, you know, I mean, I had great experiences there. It's a seven hour drive from where I'm at, you know, I mean, wouldn't that be cool? I've seen, I'd see the lineups, you know, and be like, man, it's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Um, so anyway, I did not, I, so I didn't go in 2009. I wanted to go in 2009 because fish, that was the year fish came back. They were playing Bonnaroo and tickets were like so hard for any other fish show, man. It was just the most insane demand like ever in their history. I think, you know, ended up going to, I did the Hampton reunion show, which was amazing and ended up going to Alpine Valley for two nights. Uh, Cause I had some friends that lived up there. That was really good. But I just, I couldn't bring myself to go to Bonnaroo. Even though I love fish, I was like, it's going to be too much. It's going to be too intense. Um, but uh, then 2012, they're coming back, you know? Um, so I had this kind of interest in, in Bonnaroo. And, and so I joined, I, I was, I think I was a lurker on InfoRoo because once, once that kind of interest peaked, you know, I was like, well, let me, let me go see what's going on with this. How do people survive? You know, I mean, my 03 and 04, I just remember waking up with the sun and not getting any sleep. You know, I mean, that was kind of the thing was like, it wasn't necessarily like, I'm afraid I'm going to go to Bonnaroo and use drugs. You know, it was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to have a good time at Bonnaroo without drugs keeping me awake. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, how can you do it? You know, I mean, like three hours of sleep a night, you know, all this shit. And um, so I said, well, let's see if I can pull this off. Let's go check, check these people out. And so I lurked for a little bit. And then I guess I registered in 2011. Um, maybe, I, can't, I don't know if they, should, if they had announced the lineup yet. Probably not, because they announced in like January, typically, right? Right. Um, so I guess I just joined just to kind of start participating. It seemed like a cool place, cool people, you know? I mean, lots of other different music stuff being talked about, you know? Um, but then Fish got announced, you know, uh, and for the 2012, and so I started kind of participating in earnest at that point, you know, and then learning what I needed to do to survive. And what I kind of figured out was that I could, you know, what I realized was like, I could stay in Murfreesboro and just drive, you know, I mean, it was like, there's day parking. Like, that was what I kind of learned. Like, I don't have to figure out all this camping shit and like how I'm going to get some sleep and like rest and all this kind of stuff, you know, which again is all horse shit, you know, and in my memory, like, I mean, everybody at Bonnaroo was just like, just doing fucking like cocaine all the time, you know what I mean? Like doing meth, you know what I mean? Like that was also, there's no other way people can enjoy that without that. I was completely wrong about all that. Of course, there's plenty of normal, regular ass people that go to Bonnaroo and enjoy themselves, you know, uh, but so that's how I became a, uh, a, a day parker and I've been a day parker at Bonnaroo ever since then. So I've, did, I've done 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and then 19. I skipped the 17 and 18 years because just the lineups just weren't, you know, just wasn't doing it for me. Um, uh, so yeah, that was, that was my path into, into InfoRoom. Nice. That's a lot to unpack. I have a lot yeah. of questions. I haven't had the opportunity to talk to a day parker yet. It's something mm -hmm. I've been thinking about. If I ever do make it back, it seems, you know, you brought it up the camping. So when's it, I'm sorry, tell me your, your, when have you, what Bonnaroo's have you been to? 17, 18, 19. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I believe gotcha. we did cross paths at brunch. Night. We did. We met. Um, well, no, I've, I've never been to brunch. Okay. I've never been to brunch. We met. Um, I don't remember what show, but it was at that tent. I remember that very briefly. You know, I guess were you with Jake maybe in Tranter? Yeah, maybe? that might have been Princess probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, what? Yeah, hit, hit me with your day parking question. Yeah, I mean, just uh, what's it like? Uh, you camped a couple years and you've talked about baking in the sun and waking up early and stuff. Is it like, I just want to know the path of it really. Like, <laughs> it, it, it feels like, 
you feel so superior to everybody else there when you're, <laughs> when you're in a hotel, man. Like, sure. <laughs> I mean, because I like, you know, if I'm tired, you know, I mean, because the way I do it is I would, you know, you know, I'm probably in Centerou for for 14 hours. You know what I mean? I mean, you get there 12, 14 hours. You know, I mean, get there one, three, you know, um, and stay until three, three thirty. You know, I mean, definitely. And um, uh, so I mean, but then I. I'm able to push myself because I know at the end of that road, there's a fucking hotel room, man. Well, first at the end of that road, there is a waffle house meal at four in the morning. Amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm going to get a patty melt. I'm going to get a pecan waffle, man. I'm going to get water. The waffle house waitresses are going to be so nice to me. You know what I mean? There's not going to be a lot of people in there and I'm going to go to the hotel. I'm going to take a shower. Oh man. It's like, I'm so filthy. You know, I'm so tired. I'm a shower. I'm a scrub, man. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that AC down. I mean, as far as it'll go. You know, it's gonna be chilly. We get under those covers. I'm gonna look at my phone. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my pictures and my little videos for the day. You know, and I'm gonna look at Invoru for a little bit. You know, and then like as the sun's coming up, I'm I'm gonna fall asleep, man. I'm gonna sleep hard, dude. You know, solid. You know, and I probably don't really sleep for eight hours. I think because there's so much excitement. You know, but I'll get a solid six. You know, and then I'll wake up, and you know, again feeling great. Brush my teeth, put on my clean clothes. You know, and then I'll go hit a Waffle House again. Same thing. I always eat Waffle House at the end of the beginning of every day when I day park, and then just kind of cruise on in. You know, um, the uh, the downsides are. First off, you probably have to stay in Murfreesboro. It's really unlikely you'll get a Manchester room, you know. I mean, so you, you're looking at a 35-minute drive both ways, you know. And and at the end of the night, that is tough and can be a little scary because you're because I'm exhausted, you know. I mean, so I really have to like time it to make sure I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't get in a wreck, you know, I mean, on, on the interstate basically. Um, and um, and driving in, you really don't know what you're going to hit in terms of traffic and in terms of the toll booth you know I mean so you got to redo the toll booth every single time you know and if they have plenty of volunteers you could be in you could be in line 15 minutes you know if they don't have plenty of volunteers I have been I've been in line for 90 minutes before like coming back on like a Friday you know I mean and that sucks I mean there's no way around it but then I'm there I'm refreshed I'm looking at all these people that are exhausted and tired like already you know and I'm like just ready to go, baby. You know, I mean, all good. So, um, I don't know. I'm a, and, and the, 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 the downside everybody says, and they're correct is you, you do miss the immersion of it. You know, I mean, definitely part of the magic of Bonnaroo is, is you're there, man. And you're in it. You know what I mean? Like with, with warts and all, I mean, you, you might have shitty neighbors, you might have incredible neighbors, you know I mean? That are awesome people and you're there and you wake up and you are at Bonnaroo. You know, I mean, and there's no outside world. There's none of that. And um, and I certainly, you know, I, I, I miss that for sure, for sure. But um, but I will, you know, I, I'm sure I will return to Bonnaroo again, maybe even this year. I don't have plans, you know, but uh, but I feel it pulling me back, you know, and I think I will always be a day part. So, I mean, that I mean, that seems very nice. Yeah. And awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 You just you, you have to make sure somebody in your group is is sober to drive you know what I mean like that's the thing if you got a group you got a group that wants to do it I mean and and you really I mean you know Tennessee cops man I mean I just don't think it would be worth it to have anything on you that would put you in jail so that presents interesting problems for people you know um uh 
but for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been solo. I've been solo. I mean, 03 and 04, I went with friends, but I've always been solo all the other years. So all I have to worry about is myself, you know, and that's part of the appeal too, is, um, you know, I actually went, my first solo festival was the Fish Festival, was Super Bowl 9 in 2011. And um, that was scary. Like I was going out by myself, you know, and camp- and I did camp at that, but it's like Watkins Glen, New York and, and you know, Manchester, Tennessee, climate-wise, two totally different things, you know, I mean, it was really easy to fall asleep, it was, it was you know, nice, and, you know, weather, weather was really nice, um, but see, doing that made me realize I could do solo festivals, and, um, and I, I love my friends, and I love going to, like, shows with my friends, and all that kind of stuff, but there's something magic about being solo at Bonnaroo, and doing whatever you want, and I've talked about this endlessly on the board, but, um, I mean, when I'm at a show, and I'm in the middle of a tent and it's loud and I'm not feeling it. Or I realize like, you know, you know, Childish Gambino is going to start over here. I really want to see the beginning. He said, there's no dialogue I need to engage in with anybody. There's no, Hey man, I'm going to, I got to head. I, would you be okay if we head over to say, you know, I mean, there's, I just, I just leave, you know what I mean? I just turn around and leave. And uh, <laughs> there's something, I don't have to meet up with anybody. There's not. And, and again, yeah, seeing a lot of music with your friends is like the best, you know, I mean, but it's also kind of the best just being by yourself, you know what I mean, and just doing whatever the hell you want. There's a great freedom. For that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I felt kind of bad. Uh, I went to the My Morning Jacket Atlanta show, like Teddy was there. Uh, we had Trantor come, Todd, probably some others. Someone's always forgotten <laughs> as, yeah. as it works in memories, but they all moved like a little bit closer, like stage right like kind of on the rail but like also like a really weird angle and it was a lot more packed when we were just like because it was at an amphitheater so we were like just in the back very spacious and I was liking it but they wanted to get closer and we walked up and I just did not like the new spot at all I gave it like two minutes and I was like I'm just gonna go stand by myself back where we are yeah Yeah, and that's all right man there's nothing wrong with that you know I mean you know it's all it's all a trade-off but um you know, I've been to some fish shows solo, um, a lot of fish shows solo. I used to have a crew that we went with, like when fish came back, um, and slowly that crew's kind of peeled off because of life and people have kids and all that kind of stuff. And I don't have any kids, you know, I mean, so it's just easier for me just to kind of do what I want. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but I never, ever feel like I'm going to a fish show solo just because it's like, you know, fish feels like a like a big band with like you know they play these big venues but it's the same fucking people going to all these shows you know you know what I mean like it's not I mean it is a big community but it's not like that big you know and yeah. so I know tons of people and just run into them you know I mean just kind of walking around I mean especially with the with the fellowship with the PH you know that's our cute little name for the sober fish fans you know and like and I know all those those people and just see them you know and even if I don't know them we wear these little yellow stickers, you know, if you ever had a fish show and you see the little yellow stickers that says like, uh, you know, one show at a time or something like that. So again, some little cute little recovery slash fish phrase, you know, I mean, you know, that's, that's one of your people, you know, and I'll walk up and start talking to them and introduce myself and meet them. And then we hang out and we're, we're kind of everywhere. So, um, so I never feel, I never feel lonely or even alone, you know, at a fish show. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. It's been brought up a few times. You're sober. Mm-hmm. You've definitely talked about some challenges. I yeah. think the one thing that probably catches attention for a lot of people is A, you go to Bonnaroo sober, but then B, yeah. also you go to fish show sober. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Um, well, I mean, definitely 
you need to have a good foundation and whatever your recovery method is, you know, I mean, I should use I statements, you know, I needed to have a good foundation and whatever, you know, my, um, you know, which is I'm, I'm a, I'm a 12 step guy. We're not supposed to talk about one of the traditions is we don't discuss 12 step recovery in press radio or film, but whatever, nobody listens to that anymore. <laughs> you know I mean? Like people, every pot, you know, every people are always on podcasts and doing that, but, um, you know, I just needed to be comfortable I needed to learn to be comfortable in my own skin in any situation, you know, and, um, you know, I, w- when I first got clean, you know, I told myself, you're never going to see live music again, you know, I mean, and I loved live music, man, you know, I mean, I, I actually didn't, I only saw Fish seven times when I was still in active addiction, but like, I mean, I, um, you know, some of my first shows were like, you know, I was a, I was a metal, metal was my first love, you know, and I was, and I'm 40. So I was in high school, like 96 through 2000. So obviously new metal was a big thing for me. You know, I mean, Corn was one of my favorite bands early on. I mean, and, and we actually, one of my, it wasn't, it was my very first show. My very first show, because I like to say my first show was Metallica, but then when I actually did my, um, my live music history, I realized that this corn show was before, was like a couple months before the Metallica show. So my first show is like a, I don't know, I might've seen some shit before then, but like going with my friends to like a show, you know I mean? was corn, Helmet, and this band nobody had heard of called Limp Biscuit, you know, which everybody, <laughs> which we thought the name was absurd, which yeah. it is, you know, and we were like, who's this Limp Biscuit band, you know? And uh, man, they, it's obviously Limp Biscuit was opening. And this was just all they had was three dollar bill, y'all. You know, their first, I guess their first record, you know, at this point. And man, dude, they freaking, I mean, they destroyed, dude. I've never, I can't ever recall like an opening act, nobody, like people were flipping out, man. You know, I mean, this was like this was some new shit, dude. You know, and everybody was so into it. And um, anyway, I ended up seeing Limp Biscuit like four times when I was in high school basically like every year I caught Limp Bizkit like somewhere you know um and really loved them until one day I didn't you know (laughs) until as 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 happens when you're a teenager you know I mean one day I was like oh this is kind of bullshit like this isn't very good (laughs) you know like music and it's very aggressive and kind of misogynistic you know and like maybe this just isn't for me anymore you know but um but but that you know I still those moments were great and like seeing like Metallica, my second show, just remember, I might, I feel like I was just posting about this on the board, you know, I think I did just, but I'll tell it anyway, but like, you know, they had, um, I think they'd closed with it, maybe with Inner Sandman, and I can't remember, I told it, anyway, I just got a message from my boss, I should have closed that, um, okay, but, it, but it, the, the whole point being, you know, I love those moments, you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of obsessed with moments and like in songs and in live shows, you know, in this particular moment of this Metallica show and James Hetfield was like, you all like the old shit, you want to hear the old shit, you know? And then he goes into Last Caress, you know, which is an old Misfit song, which I knew they covered, but you know, this was pre, I didn't know what they were going to play. I can look up the set list before and like, I just lost my little 16 year old mind, you know, it was just, just amazing. And like, so anyway, I took a long tangent there. Love live music. Told myself when I get sober, I'm clearly never going to be able to see live music. I'm never going to be able to handle that again, you know. Um, but, you know, eventually, you know, I ran into a guy in meetings who told me about, he was a big widespread panic guy. And widespread panic has a, um, a, 
And at the time, Fish wasn't even together. They weren't even an option. You know, I mean, Fish broke up after Coventry, which I was at. That's, that's a whole nother story. We probably won't have time for, but, um, uh, but he told me about these groups of sober people that love widespread panic and they 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 have a set break meeting you know i mean so at set break there is a freaking it's not it's not necessarily like a 12-step meeting but it is a sobriety recovery meeting that occurs at set break and um and that, and that kind of planted the seed of like well maybe i could do it if there's like a lot of if i can go with like a group you know i mean and have that support but um but what really happened was just like my recovery just got better and the cravings for drugs and alcohol just went away, you know, after a while, after, you know, kind of working the steps and time and, you know, kind of engaging in that community and making sober friends, you know, I mean, I just don't, and I can't remember the last time I wanted to drink or use, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll be, you know, I mean, one day at a time, you know, I mean, April 25th, I'll be 17 years sober, you know, I mean, it's been a, been a real, real long time for me. Um, so, you know, the way you initially do it is like you do anything in life is that you meet people who have done it and they show you the way, you know what I mean? Like they, they mentor you through it. And, um, and that was what happened with, you know, a widespread pants. So I saw bright eyes and, uh, and I was like, but I can do that. I was like, but I can't do like a jam band show. You know what I mean? Like that's too much. That's a whole different thing. Everybody's using drugs, you know I mean? I can't do that. But then a year after that widespread panic came to the wharf and, you know, and I was like, well, maybe I can. All my friends, all a bunch of my sober friends were going, a bunch of my non-sober friends were going. And that was my first kind of sober jam band experience. And it was awesome. You know, I mean, actually, there was a moment the first night I was on the floor and I was by myself and the guy turned around like all fucked up and he had his beer and he like held it up to me like, would you hold this for a second? And I was like, yeah, I'll hold your beer, you know, and I held his beer and he pulled out a bowl and packed it and smoked it for a little bit and then he like offered me a hit and I was like nah man I'm good I don't need it and then he said I'll take my beer back and I gave him his beer back and I was like oh it didn't jump out it didn't leap out of the glass into my throat you know what I mean like I did I was totally fine you know and it, and it was and it was a nice moment I was able to assist this gentleman so he could smoke his marijuana you know I mean and so I helped him and it was all good and hey he, I didn't, he didn't even need to give me any weed you know I mean it all kind of worked out for him um uh, and so that was kind of the spark was kind of lit at that point, you know, and I really started that's when I started going real hard into like all kinds of different live shows and I realized I could do it. So, um, so I mean, to, to sum up, it sure helps to have some friends to show you the way, you know, um, the separate meetings are awesome. I love a separate meeting, man, there is some powerful spiritual shit happening at those meetings because there's always somebody new, just like I was at the time. That's just like, I didn't know I could do this. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know I'd be able to ever go see fish again or panic again or whatever. And like, you guys are awesome. And like, this is great, you know? And um, so I don't know, there's always some powerful and it's just wild to be having a meeting, you know, um, you know, like I was at, at fish at Alpharetta and there was some guy that was just like sitting in our meeting, talking on the phone. And then the meeting started and he realized like, oh, I'm in the middle of like a 12-step meeting or something, you know, he walked out, and he was like, man, I just ended up in some fucking 12-step meeting, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, walks off, so there's all these people around you engaging in all these shenanigans, and then there's this small little core of people that are supporting each other, and are like, we love this music so much that, you know, we know it's a risk for some of us being here, you know, I mean, that we could relapse, and I could take us down a very dumb road, it could kill us, you know, all that kind of stuff, but we care about this community and this music so much that we're going to find a way together, you know, I mean, to kind of pull this off it makes me a little emotional saying it, you know what I mean? But, you know, but it is, you know, I mean, I, you know, I love live music, 
you know, and I was prepared to give that up for my recovery because I had, I did, I feel like I didn't have a choice, you know, like I had to be sober. I had to, you know, I mean, it had just taken me to a place where, you know, I'd, I'd fucking fucked up school. I talked about my relationships. I mean, they clear, I clearly had to admit that like, I mean, this, you know, I mean, the drugs and alcohol just had a grip on me that I could not just could that I just, you know, just ruined everything, you know? So I knew I had to get sober. I didn't think I could do live music. And so I, you know, and maybe that was part of it was just admitting to myself, like, I can never do this again and accepting it. And then down the road, you know, after I accepted that, it was kind of revealed to me, you know, I mean, via, via other people, like, no, you don't have to give it up. You don't have to, you know, you can do it. So yeah, that's it. That's good. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, 17 years is a long fucking time. A long time, man. It <laughs> is. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're like, you're in, are you in like Soberu? Like that's a, like a true group too, right? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. And see the same guy who told me, um, a guy named Mikey P same guy who told me about the panic group. He was real big. He was a big Bonnaroo guy too, you know, and, and he was a big Soberu guy and there's a, it was him and he went every year for a while and stopped going. But, uh, there's another guy named, uh, widespread Patrick, who I think still kind of runs the Soberu thing, you know, I mean, really, really nice guy, but, uh, but again, those meetings are amazing. And Bonnaroo has been so good to that group, man. You know, I mean, they give tickets very similar to like fish, like fish gives us two tickets, you know, for volunteers, free tickets to every show. And those volunteers work the table, you know, I mean, the whole show and, and they carry our shit around too, you know I mean? Which is they have to take our table and our little banner. It's not much, but I mean, the fact that they take it and carry it from show to show for us is really cool. You know I mean? And, and Soberu is the same way. I mean, they've, uh, they give us a great, they give us a booth, but then another location that's like a shaded location. Um, it's been, a, it's, you know, I think in 2019, they, it changes sometimes, but it was like behind the, uh, like the pathway, the that what pathway, you know, I mean, so the, that, you know, I mean, the one, the one that's further north, I guess, um, there's a little barricade. And then behind that kind of almost like in the backstage, that area, we have this big, nice tent, you know, and like chairs. And it's really not, I mean, just shade at Bonnaroo is at a premium to begin with, you know, I mean, and we can have our little meetings there and they have four or five meetings a day. And I've been to some great meetings there. I've met some great people. And, um, you know, it, do I need that to stay sober at Bonnaroo? No, I don't. You know, it's not something I need, but it gives me a little boost and it's fun. And maybe I can be there for somebody else that does need it. You know what I mean? That does need to hear what I have to say or if somebody's struggling, you can talk to them after the meeting, you know, I mean, all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, but yeah, no, Soberoo is, is a wonderful, wonderful group. That's awesome. I'm glad they give you the little shaded area because it's not like you could really go into the Christmas barn. Yeah, 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 that's not gonna work. Yeah, yeah, Chris, Chris's mom would be a, a terrible place for a meeting. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's like what you do if you need shade. You go to the Christmas barn, but that yeah, might be the worst yeah, place. Just deal with whatever's going on in there. Whatever brass band or like weird, you know, DJ Quickie Mart, you know, dropping the dropping the dubstep drops, you know. So yeah. Uh, maybe too personal. You don't have to answer. Uh. But I do want to ask, like, after 17 years, do you even really have the fear of relapse at this point? The, the honest answer is, is no. You know, I mean, I have it for a really, really long time. Um, but um, there is there's a respect. You know what I mean? Like in the and, and I'm not a religious person, but I always but I, I like the, the in the Bible, they talk about the fear of God. 
You know what I mean? And like, and it's not a fear, like fear, fear, like the opposite of joy, fear, you know, it's a, it's a respect. It's an awe. you know what I mean? Like, oh, this, this all powerful being. And I have that same, that type of biblical fear for my active addiction. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, it's not, I'm, I don't fear that it's going to like jump out and get me, you know what I mean? But I, but I firmly know that, you know, if I went down that road, you know, that it would, you know, it'd be really bad, you know, I, I could lose everything, you know, I mean, I, I've built a life where I'm pretty darn happy, you know, um, I've got great friends, and I've got an amazing wife, you know, and, and two dogs who are right behind me, because they're always in this room with me, you know, because um, this is where I work when I work from home, and, uh, and so I have a, a respect for it, you know, a respect and kind of an awe of the power that addiction could have to kind of ruin my life, you know, um, uh, but you know, how that works for me is I go to meetings and, um, you know, you, you continue, it's, it, our, our brains filter out negative things. You know what I mean? Like we do that. Our brains filter out negative things. They remember positive things. And, and I, I don't know why that is, but some kind of survival thing. So over time it is, it's, it, you know, my brain can start to tell me, you know, I remember like good stuff that happened when I was using and drinking, which plenty of, plenty of stuff did, you know, especially early on, I had amazing times with my friends and amazing experiences. And I would not trade those for anything, you know, um, but we tend to remember the positive and kind of filter out the negative, but in going to meetings, you see people coming in trying to get clean and it's all negatives for them. And it's a good reminder, you know what I mean? They're like, oh yeah, that shit sucks, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when, when you're a drug addict trying to like kick drugs and alcohol, like this shit sucks, man. I mean, there's no way around it. It's just terrible, you know? Um, uh, so, you know, anyway. Uh, so, so, I mean, no, I don't have a fear. I don't, I don't really, I'm not scared of relapsing, but I have a respect for it, you know? A respect and, and kind of an awe. Um, so, it's a process of constantly kind of reminding myself that I am a drug addict, you know, and, and that's why I think the people who organized this thing, you know, the 1930s, they, they kind of started that tradition of saying, you know, hey, my name's Jack and I'm an alcoholic, you know, or hey, my name's Jack and I'm an addict, because it's a, it's a, it's a ritual, you know, um, but the purpose of a ritual is to remind us of something, you know what I mean? Like, that's why all religions have them, you know, I mean, it's, and I actually, I'm kind of, I think about live music and as a religious thing a lot because not because of the ritual, of it, you know, I mean, everybody has their own little rituals they do. And like, you know, I mean, the, the pre-show before the lights go down and you're kind of milling around and talking to your friends, you know, and then the lights go down, it's, oh, you get that big feeling. And then we have an encore, you know, that's like a ritual kind of thing, you know, I mean, there's, there's all these little aspects to it. And I think that ritual of saying, hey, my name's Jack and I'm an addict is just a reminder that even if I get nothing else out of that meeting, I have said out loud that reminder that I'm a drug addict. Um, and that's some like, that's some like long-term recovery shit because you, you, it's easy those first few years to remember, but the longer you get into it, you know, um, the more, again, that brain filters out the negative because I've certainly seen people with significant clean time relapse, you know, and then they come back in and they're like, guys, that sucked, you know what I mean? Or they don't come back in and they die, you know? I mean, that, that happens too, you know? I mean, one of, my, one of my first recovery friends, you know, I mean, never made it back, you know? I mean, it just fucking it sucks. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, one last thing on it is, would you like to say anything to someone who may perhaps be struggling with that problem right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well first off, and, and I want to be clear because we've talked a lot about recovery. I am not 
you know, anti-drug and alcohol. I mean, at all. I, I, don't, I don't want anybody, I, I, you know, I mean, alcohol is a social lubricant. It can inspire conversation. You know, I mean, they're, they're you know, I mean, psychedelics have their purpose. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of substances that I think can, can, can enhance one's experience, you know, or, or be refreshing in whatever way. But there's a certain type of person for whom, you know, I mean, once drugs and alcohol enter my body, the phenomenon of craving develops, you know, and I cannot stop thinking about it. I can't stop. It, it's all I want is more, you know, and I can look at my behavior with my friends, you know, when I was in active addiction, they were all, they were more chill and they could kind of take it or leave it and they could kind of stop. And I was just always going to oblivion, man, every single time. I, once I picked up, I just could not put down. So, I mean, my advice for anybody is that, you know, I'm a 12-step guy. That's what I recommend. You know, I mean, a 12-step program is not perfect, man. You know, I mean, there's there's and there's a bunch of other different ways to do it. So I'm not like an absolutist about that. But, um, you know, I, well, first off, if you're on InfoRoot, PM me, you know, I mean, send me a private message. I'm happy to talk. I've talked to a lot of different people on InfoRoot via private message about this subject. Obviously, I won't, you know, disclose any names. You know, it's all anonymous and if you choose to reach out to me, I mean, I'm happy to just do PMs. I'm happy to, we could talk on Zoom, we could talk on the phone, whatever, you know. Um, uh, but, um, you know, my advice would be to at least try out some meetings, you know, and more than one, because every meeting is different. You know, um, there's there's terrible fucking 12-step meetings and there's really good 12-step meetings. And unfortunately, you're not going to know the difference until you try out a bunch of different ones, you know. Um, you know, I was I was kind of a year sober before I kind of found my home group, and it was this really incredible group of uh, mostly younger folks who um, were just really into the solution. Man. And again, that's where I met people that were going to live music and like doing things. And we would, you know, go out to eat after the meeting, and then meet up at each other's houses and like watch movies and play games and do I and like do stuff that like you know I was 23 when I got sober. You know, I mean, so we would do stuff that like young people did just without drugs and alcohol. We go downtown, you know, I mean, and go see, you know, small bands down there and all this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, my advice would be to, you know, I mean, if you think you need help, if you're on InfoRu, reach out to me, let's chat. Um, uh, but, you know, find some local meetings in your town, man, you know, and then hit them up man, and, and look for the, you know, I mean, find the one with the guy with the Grateful Dead shirt on, dude, go up and talk to that guy. Like, I promise you that's if you're a live music person like that, even if you're not into the dead, like, I mean, that's the guy who's going to understand kind of what you're going through. You know? So, you know, that, that would be my advice. Cool. Thank you for sharing Path to Recovery, all that stuff. Uh, very fun and knowledgeable tangent. Uh, so thank you. Let's talk about fish some more. Yeah. I know you've been to a lot of fish shows. Do you have the number? Yeah. Um, man, not that many, just 72, which it is. I mean, just like he said, though, in, in that episode, I mean, there's there's people that, you know, one of my closest fish friends, I mean, I got texts. They announced the tour recently, and I sent him a message, and I was like, oh, what shows you hitting up? He was like, all of them, man. You know, I was like, of course, you're going to all of them. But, um, I mean, they've been to hundreds and hundreds of shows you know i mean so it's just not unusual but uh, i mean i've kind of gone uh when i can but but what would you ask you say ask my favorite yeah okay um so i actually did i i've had a feeling you were going to ask me this question um so i actually came up with a few answers um but it, it's not i don't know about a favorite show you know it used to kind of be like 
that was the best show I ever went to. And then it just, you know, it kind of kept hitting a point where like the last show I saw was like the best show I went to, you know, I mean, certainly like the Alpharetta run this past summer was incredible. But again, like that, that kind of concept of moments, you know, I mean, and so I have like a, a short list of like my, my favorite fish moments, if you would, if you would humor me so I could go through some of them. Please. All right, great, great. Yeah, you're like, yeah, fuck it, man. We, we got time. Um, uh, so my, my very first show was Lakewood, um, June 23rd and 24th in 2000. Lakewood in Atlanta, which has been through a bunch of different names, but it's all, it'll always be Lakewood to me. Um, but uh, the second night in particular, and it was just a very typical first fish show experience because I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know what, if we were still on the same song. I didn't know what most of the songs were. Like I kind of knew a handful, you know, and, you know, um, and we get excited when I heard something I knew, but like I did know Gaiote. Um, because I, I had the story of the ghost CD. That was one of the one of the fish CDs I had. And there's the song Gaiote, and they encored with Gaiote on my last night. And there's this line, um, and I actually typed it. I actually copied and pasted it so I wouldn't fuck it up. Um, he said it's at the end of the song before it comes back in. He says, "Me as I sleep, the sleep of death. He sucks from me my only breath that I had breathed since I was ten. I hope this happens once again." And it was that I hope, God, why am I crying? Jesus. It, it was the, I hope this happens once again. I was doomed after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, this is, this is the band I'm going to see for the rest of my life. You know I mean? Because that was exactly what I was thinking at the time, you know? And then they did in-law Josie Wales, which I haven't seen since then. And I'm always chasing. And then they did something else. And then they did Tweezer Reprise, which is my favorite fish song. And I did not know they did a reprise. Of it, like tweezers great tweezer reprise is my favorite fish song though you know I mean, it's it's amazing and i just remember being like they're playing tweezer again like i didn't know that was a thing that they i didn't know they all, almost always reprise you know a tweezer again um uh 3 1 2003 greensboro um these are like my notable gaps um they did an acapella they closed with you enjoy myself in the encore and they did an acapella version of proud mary um after that and so it's a little hinky but technically the only other time they played proud mary was at their first show at a rotsy ball in 1983 so technically i'm in the 50 percent club with proud mary because they only ever played it twice so the last time that was played was december 2nd 1983 which was 1362 shows ago so that was that was a fun stat um obviously 36 2009 the hampton fluffhead opener um, December 5th, 2009 in Charlottesville at the John Paul Jones Arena, a naked guy jumped up on stage. That was amazing um, and tried to chase Trey around. Chase is like when hit behind the drums, you know, and then they changed a bunch of lyrics to be about the naked guy for the rest of the show. Um, actually, that, so that Proud Mary wasn't my biggest bust out. My biggest bust out was July 2nd, 2010, Charlotte. Um, they played a song called Fuck Your Face. Are you familiar with this song? Okay, so Fuck Your Face is a song that you, people kind of knew about it, but I don't even know. I think there may be one, it's like one audience recording of when they played it in the 80s, you know, but it's this really weird song that I think Mike wrote. And um, so they start playing this weird song and maybe there's like one, maybe there's like a handful of hardcore fucking people in the audience that were like, this is fuck your face. This has not been played since 1987. Like <laughs> we're getting this, but I don't think most people 
knew what was going on. I thought it was a new song or something, but then there's this line where Mike says, you know, it's the, the peak of the song, you know, this guitar is going to fuck your face. And suddenly a good chunk of the crowd realizes, oh, this is that song I've heard about. Like, I mean, the song people kind of joke about them kind of busting out, you know I mean? So everybody just starts going fucking bananas. And um, so anyway, last time played was 1,413 shows ago. Um, July 4th, 2010, Alpharetta, Harpua into Killing in the Name of, back to Harpua. Harpua being the rarest of fish songs, in my opinion. And they covered Rage Against the Machine in the middle. It was amazing. Um, uh, those are the big ones. So the, the last one I'll say is that this past summer, you know, I really, the song I wanted to hear when Fish started playing, you know, you know, after all the pandemic nonsense was the song Driver, which I'd heard, I'd gotten it my first show, that show I was talking about earlier. And then I'd gotten it like one time in like 2010 in Madison Square Garden. And it was a song that just been on my mind a lot because it was just it's a song about just what's going on in your head and just what's this, what is it that propels me? What am, you know, all, all this kind of shit. And uh, just been on my mind a lot during the pandemic, you know, and just being alone and solitude and all that kind of stuff. And they, uh, they played that at Oak Mountain and it just kind of, just kind of punched me in the gut, man. That really didn't, it's, it's a song they don't play a lot. It's just a big little rinky dinky little acoustic song, you know, but that was, that was really special. So, I don't know. That was the list of kind of just fish moments. You know, it's just it's hard for me to pick a favorite show, you know, but uh, they're, they're playing at a, at a really incredible level right now. You know, it's really exciting for a band almost 40 years into their career, you know, to still be playing these incredible live shows is, is a really special thing. Yeah, they're they're really good. When when I saw them, I saw them at 19. I saw the last set like Sunday. Yeah. I yeah. think like just like until the intermission or whatever. Um, yeah, I was really pleased with those sets at 2019 because I thought they did a good job of because they, you know, at a festival, they're playing to people that aren't their fans, you know, that aren't like super into them. And I think they did a real good selection of songs that kind of showed you kind of what they were, what they're all about, you know. I mean, so yep. it was a real good time. It was very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. yep. Very good vibes from the yeah. stage. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really nice. Dude, this is so much fun. What uh what other questions you got? So it's basically just time to open the floor. We've talked about headphones. We've talked about sobriety, Bonnaroo, Fish, Imperu. Yeah. Uh, any other topics that you'd like to talk about that you think make you unique or just fun to talk about? Well, you didn't You didn't ask me what I ate today. That's true. Yeah. What have you eaten? Oh, oh. That's, I, think, <laughs> I thought that was supposed to be the first question. I thought that was the... And and it's kind of good you didn't because it's because I literally have had fiber one cereal and that's it. Because... Uh, <laughs> Last night, my wife and I went and had like our nice fancy dinner. It was kind of our work was busy this week. So I wasn't able to, uh, we didn't have our nice Valentine's Day dinner this week. So we, we scheduled it for this Friday. And um, last night I had like this pasta dish with uh, this angel hair pasta dish with like, I think I had some ham and some shrimp and just, and like a tomato cream sauce. It was really, really good. So this morning, just to make sure, because like pooping's cool, man. You know what I mean? Like having good poops is cool. And fiber one, or as I call it, colon blue, which is an old SNL sketch, which is super fun. I'm sure it's out there. Super, Phil Hartman, genius, you know, amazing. Um, but it's got like 65% of your daily fiber and like one 
90 calorie bowl, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, the shit is incredible, you know, I mean, and they're literally the, the shitting is incredible too. We've got, yeah, we went there. Um, but, uh, so anyway, that's all I've eaten. I haven't had, actually have leftovers. Um, but because I had such a rich dinner last night, I want to make sure I got something to kind of get shit moving today, you know? Um, but, uh, but I, I do want to, you know, before I, you know, and I, I've talked about this a lot on, a. You know, and I've shared my love of InfoRu, but but I'm glad you're doing this. And I do I do just want to say on this podcast, I mean, how much I love InfoRu and the InfoRu community, you know, and just the the insane amount of joy that that dumb little drug festival forum has brought me is just amazing. You know, <laughs> it's just the, the 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 headliner thread leading up every year leading up to the lineup drop is just mania and it's just the best man you know i mean it's just the best you know i mean just all kinds of bullshit and rumors and like you know whatever tranter has kind of come up with to like you know whatever massive you know whatever big lie that's the real big lie you know i mean is 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 tranter and his fake bullshit every year you know i mean just whatever and like when he gets me it's like so exciting you know like i mean i've definitely gotten sucked into you know a lot of his lies before and then it's oh and i feel so dumb you know i mean like the one with um kind of the fake lie i think it was 2019 maybe the fake or maybe it was 2020 I don't know. He had a great poster, but anyway, I, I, I just, I want to make sure my love for this community and the people in it is clearly communicated. You know, I mean, I love, I love comedy, man. I love comedy. I love humor. I have, I was raised in a family that put a, a real priority on humor and we would, we would rip on each other. And like, you know, my mom is hilarious. My dad is hilarious. My sister's hilarious, you know I mean? And I was the baby and they would, and I just constantly caught shit, you know, and I needed to because I had a really high opinion of myself, you know, and so I mean, I would constantly be, we'd make fun of each other and rip on each other. And, um, and I've just always loved laughing, man, you know, and, and I love joy, you know, and, uh, uh, and InfoRude just brings me so much joy, man. just with all the jokes and all the dumb little games, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I've never played Mafia. I don't really participate in drafts anymore because it is just such a commitment and I don't want to let people down by like being like late with picks and stuff like that, you know, I mean, and, and it's just, uh, you know, but, you know, God bless C-Dev and anybody that, that, that runs those things, man. Cause I've, I've tried to run a few and like, dude, it is, it is a tremendous amount of work, you know, I mean, it's so much work to organize that for like, for people to just have some fun and just have a laugh, you know? So, uh, Anyway, I just want to, I just want to emphasize how much I love, you know, all you guys, all y'all, and uh, just love that community. And thank, thank you everybody for participating in it and, uh, and keeping it going because it's a, it's always a bright spot of my day logging on there and seeing some like funny, dumb shit, you know, I mean, especially when like times are tough, man, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the pandemic was it's been tough for a lot of people, man, you know, and, and there was, and it was so nice having that community and that connection to kind of go on there and just like have a few laughs you know yeah yes thank you and for it <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. great yeah. community here we didn't really talk about a day in the life ah yeah. yeah yeah what's your i guess career you talked about busy at work what do you do yeah so i am an accountant um i'm in public accounting mm -hmm. uh which means i work for a public accounting firm uh and i 
my focus and most people immediately jump to tax. Um, they say, so you do taxes and I don't really, I, I, I mean, I know more about taxes than the average person, you know, um, but I'm in the assurance services department, which is audit and assurance. Um, so we do mostly, I do a little consulting-ish kind of stuff, but mostly my bread and butter is financial statement audits. So if, um, and nine times out of 10, a company needs an audit because, you know, they need a bank loan, the banks, and they say, well, let us see your financials. So they show them their financials and they're like, that's great, but you could have fucking put anything on here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you could be lying to us, like straight up, we need this to be inspected by an independent third party. You know what I mean? So they come to us and they say, we need an audit. And so we go through their financials, you know, their, their trial balance line by line and test everything. We test their cash to make sure the cash is there. You know, we test their accounts receivable. We test their accounts payable to make sure they're not understating expenses or not overstating revenues, you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And then at the end, we provide them with their financials with a nice little report that says, you know, hey, we, you know, in our opinion, everything here is materially, you know, correct. And then they can give that to the bank and then get their loan, you know, and there's a lot of different reasons that companies get audits. Um, but, uh, but I work for a small, technically it's a medium sized firm, but I mean, we got like 60 people, you know, it's a, it's a local place and we mostly deal with them um, small, like real small business, not like, you know, not like, you know, people making tens of millions of dollars that are still technically small businesses, you know, it's mostly small businesses, small nonprofits. Um, so it's really, you know, I mean, and I don't love accounting, you know, there are some people that like love it, you know, um, but I, I do love the people I work with. I work with a lot of good people. I'm so lucky to have good bosses, you know, I mean, accounting can be, public accounting in particular can be a really grueling environment, you know, and it is, and it can, and we, we work hard and it can be tough. Um, don't get me wrong, but <clears throat> for the most part, I have bosses that, that not for the most, all of my bosses understand that everybody working for them are, are people and have, you know, and have their limits and have their, their needs and need to take care of themselves and all that. So, um, you know, I'm really, really lucky to have landed where I landed. So, and this is my second career. I was a, because I kind of blew, I kind of screwed up my initial school, you know, I mean, I, um, I worked as in various positions in retail banking and went back to school, you know, after I got sober. And that's how I kind of fell into the accounting thing, you know, um, which is kind of really just throwing a dart like I needed a skill. And I was like, let me accounting looks like it might be something I could do for a job, you know. Um, and so I, I took that. But, but I, I like it because I have a lot of freedom. I have a lot of vacation you know, um, so, and summers are slow, and that's when a lot of the fun, a lot of music stuff is happening, you know, yeah. so, um, so, yeah, yeah. Sounds perfect. You ever find anything uh, that catches your eye, maybe, a little question mark, a little eyebrow raise when you're doing these audits? 99% of the time, no, you know, I mean, uh, you, you find errors, you know what I mean, like, for sure, I mean, plenty of times, there's just people that, you know, I mean, like you said, we're dealing with smaller companies that maybe don't understand all the minutiae of the accounting rules, you know, um, so, I mean, you find plenty of errors, but in terms of, like, fraud, mm -hmm. very, very rare, you know, I mean, actual, like, fraud, and um, there was one, you know, there's maybe one situation that was kind of weird um, with the nonprofits that was kind of, there's some weird drama going on, but even that wasn't really super interesting, you know? Uh, so no, for the most part, things are kind of straightforward and, you know, it is what it is. So. Nice. Sounds perfect. You get to go to yeah. your shows, you get to account. Just exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. My busy time is like now, actually. And the, re the whole reason I scheduled this when I did was because we, we had a big deadline for a project Wednesday. And we're not quite done yet, but we're pretty close to being done. I, I feel confident that we're going to, the, the actual deadline deadline is this upcoming Wednesday. Um, so that's why I scheduled this for this time, because it was just, it's been kind of insane the past two weeks, you know, um, and, and it'll continue to be busy until April. Um, but, uh, but yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, just heating up because of tax season. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's, you know, and, and, you know, it's most businesses have a 1231 year end. So, I mean, that's most of our, I mean, we have customers, clients with all kinds of different year ends, um, you know, 630, 930, whatever, but most people just do a calendar year. So this is just when you have the most stuff going on, whether it's taxes or audits or whatever. Yeah. Nice. Cool. 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 Um, wisdom. Shall we do our final imparting wisdom? Yeah, man. Um, so I'm a, you know, my meditation game has been kind of trash, honestly, the past several months. Um, but I, you know, when I'm at my best, I'm meditating regularly, you know, I'm a big fan of it. So I suggest that to anybody. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, you know, and re recovery kind of tricked me into meditation, you know, because I had to, you know, at, being in recovery, I had to pay some attention to what's going on in my mind, because my mom would try to trick me into thinking, well, it's okay to use, or it's okay to do this, or okay to, you know, call this person an asshole, or yell at your girlfriend, or whatever, you know, I mean, when it's not okay to do those things, so I had to kind of try to learn to, to catch, to give myself a few seconds between the thought that I should take an action, and actually taking that action, and actually thinking, is this really makes sense, you know, um, and that kind of led me to meditation, and, um, it's been, it's really been a game changer for me, you know, I mean, even if I'm not, even in the past several months, I haven't been as consistent with it as I would like to be. It's, you know, learning, paying attention to what's going on in my head, you know, and having a curiosity about it has really been invaluable for me in terms of not screwing up my relationships, in terms of not screwing up, you know, friendships or work situations, in terms of, you know, trying to you know, be helpful to others, you know, um, but, uh, you know, there's a book I actually just started reading, um, a guy named Arthur C. Brooks, who is the happiness correspondent at the Atlantic. He writes about happiness, and I've kind of been a fan of a lot of his articles. Uh, he also teaches a happiness course at Harvard Business School. Real interesting guy, but um, he's written this book about, uh, called From Strength to Strength, and, and the book is about the transition from like a striving part in your early life to being more of a mentor, you know, in kind of later life and about how if you continue to just strive, 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 and don't realize that as you get older, you're going to lose a step, you know, um, then you, you will just make yourself miserable, you know, because you're not going to be as sharp or as good as you were in your 20s, you know, um, but the good news is we get better at teaching as we get older, you know, um, but he kind of boiled it all. He, he has a lot to say in this book. And like I said, I just started it, but he was on the 10% Happier podcast, which is a really good interview. He was on the psychology podcast recently, which was really interesting. But he had a good, he had a really good point. Our, our society and our, really our biology, you know, because our biology is what drives us to kind of build the society that we, that we have, um, teaches us to, you know, um, love things and use people, you know, and um, uh, because again, 
you know, nature doesn't care about us. <laughs> you know, I mean, nature wants us to, you know, get what we need to get in order to propagate our DNA. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of what drives us. But, you know, as a species, we've kind of, we've developed this thing called civilization. You know, we've kind of realized, despite our biology pushing us in another direction to like, well, that, that guy has something I want, I'm gonna bonk him over the head and take it. And now that's my thing, you know, and I love this, you know, we've realized that if we actually, if we kind of work together, maybe we can achieve something greater, you know? Um, so he flips that to use things, love people, and then he adds worship the divine, you know? And, you know, that sounds kind of religious and he is a religious person, but he makes it really clear that worship the divine doesn't mean worship God or worship that you don't have to, you know, but it's like, what is the, have a curiosity about the unknown, you know what I mean? A curiosity about that thing, you know, I mean, I always say with live music, you know, I mean, you have the crowd and you have the audience and that should be one plus one equals two, but for some reason it's one plus one equals three, you know what I mean? Like, what's that extra where that extra one come from, you know, I mean, that, that, that something special happens, you know, I mean, when we're communicating between a crowd and a performer, that adds up to more than the sum of its parts, you know, I mean, and that to me, is part of the divine, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different, you can also say love, you know what I mean, what's that, I mean, sure, there's chemicals firing off in the brain, and we can study that and do brain scans, you know, I mean, but, but, you know, but, but, but what, what is that, you know, and, and so I really like that, use things by all means enjoy things use things but love people and worship the divine you know whatever that takes you know i mean whatever whatever method that worship the divine takes you know um find out what that is in your life have curiosity and um yeah i think that's it so that's awesome worship the divine yeah i love that because yeah i mean a lot like you said a lot of people would just put that with god or religion or whatever but there's so much like you said live music for me and we've talked about it in a few podcasts like just like natural like nature parks and just getting out yeah. being like just putting yourself in a position where you're curious and just learning and also just taking a step back and appreciating something absolutely yeah if you don't do that what's going to happen is I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and my mind starts pushing me around man yeah. Go downstairs, eat breakfast. What are you going to do later? You got to get to work. You got to do this work thing. You got to do this. You know, you got to do that. And then before you know it, I've, I've went through my entire day completely unaware of what the hell is going on. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, and again, that's our biology, but that's no way to live, man. You know, um, there's, uh, you know, mindfulness, curiosity, you know, pausing and taking a breath um, can bring a lot of can bring a lot of joy man you know and that's what i'm always trying to, i'm always trying to chase joy not just happy not ha not necessarily just happiness or not necessarily feeling good it's not all about that you know i mean sometimes joy doesn't always feel good you know i mean sometimes there's i mean suffering is a part of life and sometimes we got to suffer in order to experience the joy on the other side of that so i mean it's not just a hedonistic thing you know but it's like what really brings me that joy you know and try to try to try to stick with that so yeah introspection is so important Yes. It's so important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's one thing the pandemic led me to is I never really thought about stuff or really even felt like I had the time to think. But then <laughs> like when you're stuck at home, you start thinking about so many things. And for me, I like was finishing up college too. So it was, wow. Yeah. It was like kind of nice to have the time to take that breath and figure out more. Yeah. Um, but anyway, still, no matter what, <laughs> really think about maybe it's, meditation that makes you think 
uh, or you just literally lay down in bed and just think about where you are. And, uh, Absolutely. Like, um, so if you're listening to this, take a breath and think about where you are in life and think about what you want and like actually, you know, do some problem solving. That's what I'm doing. All that stuff. Uh, is there anything else you would like to leave with our audience or like to share? I don't think so. Um, do you think it went all right? Yeah, I think this was awesome. Good, good. I'm glad. I feel like I talked too much and I feel like I didn't talk to you enough. I feel like I didn't ask you enough questions. So I apologize for that. That seems to be a common theme. Every, a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of people have said I need an episode. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, you definitely need somebody to kind of interview you. But, uh, but no, man, I, I appreciate this. This was a ton of fun. Um, I, um, you, you, you are a great God, you know, I mean, this thing doesn't happen without a great God. So you, you, you did a great job of, of guiding me through the conversation as I kind of rambled on and on about whatever the hell I just talked about. So. <laughs> I did actually remember what I forgot earlier, just very quickly. Yeah, no, please, absolutely. Dude, man, I, I don't got shit going on. Tell me what's up. Not even a question, uh, but my favorite thread on Inferu is a post-Jack thread. It's the post-Jack draft. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite thread on Inferu, like just in general. So uh, that's what I forgot. Oh, man, about. that's great. That's great. And speaking of like, I, I have a terrible, I start things and don't finish them on Inferu a lot. You know, like there's a draft, the categorized draft. I still haven't, all I got to do is put up a poll. I think, you know, we were like doing, giving money to charity and that draft is really cool. And like, all I got to do is put up a poll and I just haven't done it. You know, the, um, the shitty record club, it took me like, I don't think we finished that. And people want to do it again. And then you actually do the shitty record club and you're like, this is terrible. I don't want to listen to this band and everybody stops participating. It falls apart, you know, but the good thing about the post-jack draft is there's no rush. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it'll finish one day, but nobody's relying on me for anything. You know, all I got is, you know, you are, you are. <laughs> oh, well, I'll hop back in. Maybe I'll make a, maybe I'll make a selection. Today. When was the last time you made a pick? Pick. Not too long ago. I know. Oh, Teddy. January twenty sixth. Okay. Oh, yeah, not too long. Teddy did the gave me did a proxy pick for me. I know Limp Biscuit, of course. You know. Um. Uh. But yeah, no, I know I still got a ways to go. But uh. But yeah, no, I I got a I get a kick out of that too. So yeah. it, was, it was funny just taking C Dubs like painfully, kind of put together rules and just copying and pasting them and just changing everything to just post Jack. You know, it's so dumb. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, it's a great thread. Uh. You brought up Limbiscuit again. One, another final thing. Garage Land. Maybe you saw the Strokes before they put out their first album in some random restaurant in Virginia. But post check here saw Limp Biscuit. Fucking Limp Biscuit. Or anybody knew who they were. Right. To deal with that Garage Land. So I was just I was listening to the Garage Land episode this morning. It's a great episode. Yeah, he seems like a real cool guy. They're all they're all great episodes. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for joining me today. Thank you, My everyone pleasure. who has joined me. Thank you for everyone who will join me in the future. Uh, and thank you for listening. Have a wonderful right. day. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, buddy.